Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you're here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of Sober Gratitudes. I once was an active alcoholic, and after decades of failed attempts to control my drinking, I finally reached out for help. Letting others help me is why I'm here today, living a life I never thought possible. The suffering of my past was the catalyst I needed to find recovery and be receptive to healing. I created this podcast out of the desire to recover out loud and, with the help of my guests, show you how a better life is possible after addiction. Whether you have been here before or you are a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to write a review on Apple Podcasts so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. Together, we can help those in need. You can also reach me at SoberGratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Thank you again for dropping in today, and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in recovery from addiction. It is an inclusive show that does not promote or represent any recovery program. When my guests and I discuss what keeps us sober, we are referring to our own unique experiences. Our goal is to encourage and give hope to those who are struggling and need support. Sober Gratitudes podcast is proud to come together and partner with Valor Fitness Clothing in our mutual mission to support and encourage the recovering community. Based in Los Angeles and inspired by real recovery, Valor Fitness lives up to its mission. With one item sold, Valor Fitness donates one item to a homeless shelter or transitional rehab facility. Because Valor Fitness Clothing supports Sober Gratitudes mission, everyone can receive a discount when shopping. Use the code GRATITUDE20 at checkout. Also, every guest on my podcast will be graciously given a gift certificate from Valor. We're stronger together when we come together. She said, we don't have any beds for you at the Women's Addiction Treatment Center, so you're going to have to go to to prison. (laughs) And I like could not believe those words, you know, so I, I, I go to jail and I'm so sick, so sick. And so like my first day of sobriety was 4th of July. That's my sobriety day, 4th of July, 2015, which is so symbolic. I feel like, cause it's the day of freedom, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. And so did you detox in? Prison? Oh yeah. And I did not have any meds. Um, oh my God. That must've been hell. Yeah. It was, it was not pretty, you know, it's not, it's definitely not comfortable in prison. Um, there's nothing comfortable about it. They're not nice to you. I was puking all the time. I was getting yelled at for throwing up, but did not eat anything because anything that I would put near my mouth, I would just throw back up and then I would get yelled at. So I lost a ton of weight in there. <laughs> um, I remember, like, I just smelled so bad because they don't have real deodorant in there, and I was sweating all, like, everything out, <clears throat> and uh, it was just so, so miserable, and I didn't know when I was getting out because I didn't know when they would have beds available for me, 
um, I didn't sleep a wink. And like, I'm so grateful that I remember this so vividly because I never, ever, ever want to feel that way again. And I never have to. Like, that's the amazing part, you know? Welcome to episode 21 of Sober Gratitudes. This is Sarah, and you just heard a clip from today's episode with Cassie. It is an unbelievable episode, so I don't want to waste any time in the introduction, and I want to get right into the episode. So here's my interview with Cassie. Hi. 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 (laughs) Round two. Yes, perfect. (laughs) Sorry about that for, I don't know if it was a Wi-Fi thing or or what, but. That's um, okay. I think also I like, I had to copy and paste it. And this last one, I just clicked on it. So I don't know if that made a difference. Oh, okay. Onto your laptop? Um, No, on my phone. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Cool. So how did you have a nice weekend? I did. I ran many miles this weekend. Um, I saw that on your post. (laughs) And I just (laughs) felt very in my energy. You know, I felt very high vibe and I've been feeling good just to feel good, which is nice. Yeah, that's so awesome. I was looking at your Instagram account and feeling really lazy. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Comparison is the worst. Don't do that. Oh, I know. I know. I I, I know. I learned that I I can't do that. Um, But no, you are very inspiring. Just what you did. And I read, especially your post for today and gave some insight on your background and where you came from and what you're doing now. And it's just really inspiring. And the first thing I want to say is, how the heck did you do it? <laughs> um, so which part, like, how did I get myself motivated to like, yeah, well, yeah, I guess um, wherever you want to start, you know, if you want to talk about how you got to a place of sobriety, or, you know, or if the, the um, athleticism and that motivation came beforehand or yeah it definitely uh, didn't <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um yeah it came it came after for sure because okay. when I mean I grew growing up you know like well first of all like I've learned that from zero to seven years old are your formative years like that's when you absorb everything and that's what kind of forms you for the rest of your life And growing up for me, zero to seven years old was very dark and ugly. And it was just a really messy, unstable place. So um, these are all things I've had to learn and kind of act my way into um, just by taking action and changing my beliefs. So, um, you know, I grew up with two very young parents. my mother was 16 when she had me and my dad was 17. They were never together. Um, they were like, I never saw them together. You know, they weren't married or anything. Mm-hmm. And my, they both are, were very unwell. So my dad is, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, he is now dead from this disease and he wasn't very present. He lived in Oklahoma. Um, he basically like, I like to say he, lived up here long enough to get my mom pregnant and then meet my stepmother, who's an angel, by the way, and moved to Oklahoma. Um, so I think when I was two, he lived down there. And like, that's all that I remember. Mm. And then my mom is, she has borderline personality disorder. 
um, mm-hmm. which is it's it almost seems like she's bipolar, but she lacks the ability to be empathetic and compassionate, and um, she's just wired differently, you know. So it was, it's very much a victim role, and yeah. um, basically, like I had to be her savior from like a very young age. And, um, you know, I grew up watching her in and out of abusive relationships. But and, and when I was in first grade, I went to 13 different schools. Um, just uh, in first grade? Just in first grade, yeah. I went to school in Oklahoma, Kansas. Um, up here, we, we had to move to two different battered women shelters. So we lived, and you're only allowed to stay there for a certain amount of time. Um, so, yeah, it was just very unstable, and it was very rocky. You have but a lot of memories of that time? I have I have enough memories. There's definitely periods that are kind of blocked out, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. which I've learned is pretty common if you have trauma when you're young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I am um, – sorry, I'm – I'm trying to get back into where I was. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were talking about how um, in first grade you moved around a lot. Oh, yeah. So basically there was no stability. And, um, you know, like what I learned from my mom. So, like, I always like to say the reason, you know, like the fact that, like, I have a dysfunctional family, like, doesn't make me an alcoholic. Like, that's not what made me have this, like, abnormal reaction to when I put a drink or a drug into my body. But it did teach me a lot of stuff. Um, It taught me that, you know, you're not allowed to have boundaries with anybody, especially your family. It taught me to be scared of everything and not to open up to anybody. Um, It made me feel like I was unworthy and unlovable because, you know, I had to kind of be my mom's savior, at least I felt that way. And if I didn't stand up for her when she got in a fight with her boyfriend or when we were at a family gathering or if I had mentioned anything that went on at home and it didn't sound like it was perfect I would get grounded you know I would and like me being grounded wasn't like I got a toy taken away it was like you can't see your grandmother for three months you know um if the house wasn't clean I wasn't allowed to go to school you know and I we had to make up excuses for that and DSS was involved Many, many times, um, and, like, the system is so flawed, but that's another story for another day. Uh, You know, so, like, basically, like, it was like I could never do enough, you know. Um, It was my job to clean the house. I used to get called Cinderella. Like, people would make fun of me. Um, There was a lot of physical abuse, and, like, there was so much mental abuse. And it wasn't like I would just get it once in a while it was like I would get yelled at for hours and hours and hours at a time and whenever my mother would see you know something kind of hurt me like she would that would be like her going for the jugular like oh that's the spot that really gets her so I'm gonna go in and really rip it apart you know so um I learned how to really put up a wall you know like I didn't want people to see my emotions because if I became vulnerable and emotional I was gonna get hurt and um you know, I had to really like mask everything out and I couldn't talk about it to anybody. So I just became like a a shell, you know, I, I kind of learned how to 
put up a wall, but like make it seem like things were okay in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, God forbid, like I couldn't tell people at school and I couldn't tell my family and I just wanted things to be as easy peasy as, as they could be for me. And I, I just kept trying to live up to the standard that maybe if I just do a little bit better, maybe if I just clean a little bit more, maybe if I get a little bit better grades, like things will be okay. And they never were. <clears throat> and I didn't realize that that had nothing to do with me. Right. And how long did this go on for Cassie? Was this up and did you like get to a place where you were like, I'm out of here or um, like what, how long was this for? Okay. So it was consistent um, through my freshman year of high school. Um, when I was 12 years old was the first time I got taken away by DSS because my mother overdosed and then woke up and basically beat the crap out of me. Um, so that was the first time I got taken away. And so like, it was my first time of like separation. Um, and so that was like the first time I kind of got like a, a clear view of like, oh, like it's not supposed to be like this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but my grandmother, God love her, she's a great woman. She just wanted the family to look normal. And she took us, but she wanted, like, everything to be back together. And she thought, like, oh, if I just talk to her, you know, if I just talk to my daughter, like, she'll figure it out. But, like, that's just not how it works with someone who's mentally unstable and doesn't have the right tools to know how to live life. Right. And that's such a tough disorder, the borderline personality. I know, I know a little bit about it. I do. And it is, that's like such a difficult one. So I can't even imagine yeah. how difficult that must've been for your, for your grandmother to try to navigate that. Yeah. She, I mean, I feel so bad cause she does struggle with it still to this day, you know, like I, she's very old fashioned and family comes first and, um, she just wants it to be what it's not, you know? And so she's a hard yeah. time accepting things. <clears throat> um, but yeah. she's a good woman. She just, you know, she it sounds her. like you have a beautiful relationship with her. So it I, sounds like she was like somebody that is really a rock for you. Um, yeah, she is. But also, um, she still has an issue with boundaries, <laughs> you know, but I, okay. Okay. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. think it, it's, a. Uh, she grew up in a different time, you know? Yeah. So like her issue with boundaries isn't like she's trying to invade my space. It's that she truly think like, these are her beliefs, you know? Yep. Um, so then, okay. My freshman year of high school, my mother met this man who moved in right away and they got married. Um, I think three months after <clears throat> and him and I didn't get along. So she kicked me out. And I lived, like, my 10th grade year, I lived with one of my friends. Thank God, you know, her she, her and her family took me in. <clears throat> and um, needless to say, that wasn't the greatest year at school. And, you know, then they got, they ended up separating that summer. She forced me to move back in. Things were crazy. Um, you know, it was just, like, right back to, like, oh, my God, like, I just am never going to escape this. And that's literally how I felt, you know. <clears throat> but, um let me rewind because I know I'm talking a lot about the feelings, but like my mother and me, like the only time that we ever kind of got along or things were going to be okay. Like is when I knew like the drugs and alcohol were coming out, you know, like she was the first person to ever buy me drinks. And like, she told me I could drink at home. And then like for my 12th birthday present, it was like her getting me high, you know, like her sitting in the basement with like all of her friends, like the 
I don't know if she thought it was like funny or whatever, but like I thought I was crossing over into adulthood, which was my escape from like, oh my God, like everything is controlling me, you know, like maybe this will give me a little bit more significance, you know? So I always looked at drugs and alcohol as like a way out Uh and like things were going to be okay when like that stuff came out, you know? And so, um, it was like a, a consistent part of my life, you know, and I never got in trouble for using it. I honestly, like I would get in trouble if my friends would come over and we wouldn't smoke my mom up and like we would smoke in my room. Like I would get in a lot of trouble for that. Um, oh, so you had to do it secretly, even like in the, a way like she didn't want to know what's happening kind yeah. of thing, even though she was the one that introduced you to it. No, she like if so, if I was to bring friends over and we were going to smoke weed, yeah. And we didn't offer her any, like, then I would get in trouble. Oh, I see. Oh, gosh. Wow, Cassie. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I experimented with all kinds of drugs throughout high school, and, like, it never really had an effect on me. Um, as far as, like, I didn't lose... <sighs> I didn't lose control, I felt like, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it also helped me fit in, because, like, I... I wasn't the cool kid in school, you know, I had a lot of craziness going on and people weren't really allowed to come over my house because of, you know, uh, all the, the nonsense, which again, just added to like my unworthiness and like feelings of unlovable, you know? So when I did drugs, like it, it allowed me to find my people. Um, and if people could party at my house, like I was all of a sudden cool. Uh, so, you know, Fast forward to I graduate high school and I get into college and I start dating a boy who is addicted to drugs and in a halfway house. And I, I think it's just because I didn't know how to live without the chaos. You know, I I was not completely addicted to drugs at this point, but it was the only thing that I knew that was normal to me. And like the way that he treated me was what I was used to. You know, I didn't yeah. think I was worthy of of someone treating me right because I didn't know how it felt you know I didn't think that I had earned it because <clears throat> I had to earn everything like my mother's love was conditional everything was conditional um and I just felt like being less than and feeling less than was what was normal um so I feel out of college my my freshman year and mm-hmm. I go work at a restaurant and, um, you know, I'm just drinking and partying all the time. And, and I like, just didn't know how to be social or show who I truly was without being the party girl, you know, like I was the fun, loving, carefree party girl. And I was able to kind of manage my life that way, or at least like appear like I was on the outside, but I just slowly started dying on the inside. Because it was like, okay, well, now I kind of have control of my life, or at least I'm, like, allowed to be in charge. And I don't know how the frig to do that, you know? Yeah. And um, so so my bright idea is, you know what, Cassie? Like, alcohol is really – it's making you do crazy things, and, like, you're acting crazy when you're on it. And, like, you're waking up and, and like, after blacking out, not knowing what happened. So you should just do drugs because you have more control over yourself when you do drugs. You kind of know what's going on. That was, like, my bright idea. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I started to, you know, do opiates. And it was, like, a crazy time back then where – it was just like very readily available. Um, 
you know, people were going to Florida and getting pain scripts and, and, uh, you know, like I happened to become friends with all of them because I felt like, you know, friendships weren't anything unless you could get something out of it and like somebody could get something out of me. And, um, then like all of a sudden, like I'm like fully blown addicted to, to drugs. Like I'm addicted to opiates. I'm addicted to Percocet. And like, I, I like can't live life without it. You know, like I, I'm getting physically sick. I have no money and I start doing things that are way beyond my moral compass. You know, like I, I just, I had no respect for myself or for human life or like, especially mine. And like, if I didn't have respect for my life, I certainly did not have respect for yours. And I was just a tornado. And, um, and like, I knew it was bad because like, I knew I didn't want to be anything like my family, but that's who I was, which just made me hate myself even more. And, um, you know, like this, this continued and spiraled and, and I ended up becoming a full blown heroin addict, which I, I never thought that I would do, um, you know, but like in between, so like, I want to say my addiction really took off when I was like 19. Oh yeah. And when I was 19, like my dad had passed away okay. and like when that happened, it, it messed me up so bad because like my mother used to guilt trip me into thinking like I wasn't allowed to love my dad because he wasn't around and if I loved my dad it was taking away my love for her you know so like I wasn't allowed to love my dad I wasn't my brother she told me wasn't as much of my brother as my sister was my sister because you know it was from my dad or whatever so when he died like I I wasn't able to mourn the loss and like I would cry in my bedroom by myself But I told myself I wasn't allowed to be upset because, like, I pushed him away. And that really messed me up. And that's when I really started um, using drugs and alcohol, you know, like, to, like, that extent where I just – I had to escape myself. I I didn't know how to escape my thoughts. And that was the Mm -hmm. only barrier that I had. So, um, you know, I – Well, can I just – I just want to pause for a second. And I'm just, like, I'm – I am just blown away and by your – courage right now to share your story because it's it's a it's a really incredible story and and I'm and I'm saying that because I know where you are now <laughs> and we're going to hear that soon you know we're going to hear the hope and recovery soon but that this is this is absolutely um I think I've never heard anyone be so brave as you right now to share your story um with such transparency encourage I think this is going to help so many people and I just want to say thank you right now for that um and I didn't mean to interrupt but I just had to say it because I'm just feeling so um and your dog is feeling inspired as well it sounds like (laughs) about about how this is just blowing my mind about how brave you are so I, you're just such a brave warrior. So I just have to say that right now. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. I, I know um, we're going to get to the part soon where you get sober. So, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like in response to that, like I, um, I lived in shame for so long over my past and who I was and, and the mistakes that I had made. <laughs> and like this, the definition of shame is basically like, feeling separate different and alone you know and 
it wasn't until I started opening my mouth when I got sober that I realized like I'm not separate, different and alone until I like unless I just don't open my mouth because so many people deal with this kind of stuff. And it's the only way to help someone else. And my mission is to never have anybody feel that way. And to know that like, you can recover and like your circumstances don't matter. And you're so much braver than you think, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. <laughs> I've, got, I've got like a lump in my throat. <laughs> But it took me a lot of work to get to this point, you know, and like it, it took me a lot of like acting through fear. Um, but anyways, like so back to where I was, um, my first detox was in 2010. Okay. And I, um, you know, I, I thought detox was just going to like, I was going to go in and I was going to get sober because I was going to go there for a week. And like, that was it. Like, that's all I had to do, <laughs> you know? And like, I had been living this double life for so long because I, I was really good at um, keeping up appearances on the outside since I had learned how to mask my emotions for so long when I was younger. Right. And so it was like a big shock to my family when, when I had said that I needed help. And I just didn't know what I didn't know. Like, I had no idea. I didn't grow up with people in 12-step programs. I didn't grow up with any... Um, anybody who had gotten sober and like really, you know, had that freedom. So I went there and I had people come in and talk like this. Um, And I saw that they were free and I saw that like they were being transparent and it was very desirable for me or to me. And, um, and I got out and I, I didn't take any of their suggestions and I was right back where I was literally 24 hours later um because I thought like once the drugs and alcohol are out of my system and I wasn't going to get sick anymore like I could just change it you know but like I didn't have any of this hindsight I didn't know that like I I didn't feel lovable because it was just such a a deep feeling within me you know I thought that's just how people felt um so I am running around doing things to get money that people should never, ever have to do. And, um, you know, I, I ended up meeting this guy who was sober. He was like six months sober. And I, it looked like really desirable to me because I was like, oh, my God, this guy's like so honest. And like he owns his story and he's like, okay with it. And, um, you know, he told me about the 12 steps and just about 12 step meetings and, and that kind of recovery. And so I decided to go check it out and, um, you know, I got involved, but like, I, I didn't know how to get off the drugs and I didn't know how to let people know, like I was in pain and I was suffering and they needed help. I just thought like, Oh, if I watch what they do, then I can act like they act and then I will be accepted. (laughs) You know, it was like this crazy Uh thing Uh just because I had no idea. And, um, that shit was painful and like people who are are doing okay like can see through that you know they can see when you're not comfortable with yourself um and you can't really put on a game face for too long because if they get to know you too close like they're gonna see like you're in pain and like and you're standing in your own way so um I don't want to, br- and that's a hard thing to do. Like, I just have to say uh, to interject real quick, that to, to, it's such a hard thing to do when you've lived all your life, um, functioning, um, 
with your emotions and feelings and dealing with um, difficult life circumstances by using drugs and alcohol and then to go to one detox and then to come out of it. Like, I don't know how long you were at that detox and if you went to rehab or not, but I mean, it's such a short amount of time, Mm. you know, and then to come out into like, you know, it's like, you're almost like, like I, I never went to rehab, but I know that, um, you know, I did slip a couple times before I find, before, before it finally kind of like clicked with me. But, you know, I spent so many years of my life, um, coping with my feelings and the things that occur that happened to me and in my younger, um, in my youth, um, I didn't know how else to, to deal with anything in life. So, you know, the, the lucky ones are the ones that like, where you like, obviously it, it stuck at some point and we're going to hear about it as soon as I stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) It's very hard for me not to, uh, I told you before, it's very hard for me to keep my mouth shut. But so you, so you met this, you met this man, young man who seemingly had something that you wanted, that he, that he had a good program of recovery, that he suggested a good program of recovery for you. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was tough, but you were trying it and then what next, what happened next? Yeah. So when I walked in there, like I didn't, I thought like I was told to get a sponsor and Uh once again, like with a sponsor, I thought like, oh, I get a sponsor and like, I get sober, like this person's going to save me, Mm. (laughs) but it turns out you have to do a whole lot of work. You know, you have to do a lot of inner work and I, I was not like, I didn't even know myself enough to to get to know myself never mind like let you get to know me you know like I had protected myself for so long that I I seriously did not know how to let those walls down um I just had never experienced that feeling of freedom before yeah so um you know I'm I'm I would like get periods of sobriety where like I'd get honest and then I just didn't know how to deal with the feelings. You know, like I didn't know any of my feelings. Mm -hmm. I went to to a meeting one time and there was a sign that said, shake hands with your feelings. And I was like, oh my God, that is the best sign I've ever seen because I had no idea. Like I knew sadness, I knew depression and I knew anger and I knew like unworthiness and that was it, you know? And so, like, when all these new feelings were popping up, they were so intense that I, like, I just didn't know how to how to deal with them. So I would go back to using. And, like, what I found out was, like, my problem was not the drugs and alcohol. My That was a symptom of the bigger problem, which lies in between my ears. Yeah. And it took so long to realize that. And, like, I – so I came into – um, I tried to get sober starting in the end of 2010. I did not get sober until 2015. So I get in, I get into a relationship with this man and Mm -hmm. I, you know, like I, I get sober for the first time a few months later. And then like, you know, like that cycle started happening and I like, couldn't, I felt like I couldn't be honest with him because I like little did I know at the time, but like his love was replacing the love that I didn't have for myself. So to tell him that I was messing up or to tell anybody else in there who like, maybe I was starting to, they were starting to, I felt accept me. Like Mm -hmm. I was, I was so fearful of losing that, you know? And like, that's the, the root of most fear, right? Is like, we're so fearful of being unloved. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, like I just, I didn't know how to be honest. 
And um, and so I hold on. I'm sorry. I was that's somebody okay. just walked in. Um, I yeah, I just didn't know how to be loved. Um, or I was so scared that I I I was earning this love, you know. Um, and that it was gonna get taken away from me. So like, I could not be honest and I couldn't be myself <clears throat> because anytime I tried to be myself, I got hurt in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I um, you know, this cycle went on for like almost five years. I'm in a relationship with this guy and. There was one time where I finally broke down and told him, like, he used to think I was just depressed. And and I I don't think he was dumb. I think he saw what he wanted to see. And um, that's a common story for, like, a lot of families who enable, you know, people with this addiction or this disease. Um, And it's it's hard. It's really fucking hard because you love people and you want to see the best for them. But, like, there's a fine line between enabling and, like, loving someone in order to help them get better. so I the beginning of 2015 like he finds out again that I'm using drugs I don't bring it to him he finds he finds my drugs and we break up um mind you at this point like we're living in a house like I think from the outside everything looks good people I'm thinking like people want to like have my life you know and like that's what matters is like what other people think because I placed my validation and like my self-worth on like what other people thought of me so, um, you know, we break up, I move out and I am off and running because there is no reason like now that that love is taken away that like was, was replacing the love that I didn't have for myself. There's no reason for me to want to continue to live. I felt so alone and just so there was no hope. I was completely hopeless and like in the black that I was, I was just, um, you know, I was shooting any kind of drug that would come my way because I was just hoping and praying that, like, I would get the bad batch, that I would, like, not wake up, that that something would just put me out of my misery because I was too fucking scared to do it myself. Excuse my language. Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I just, like, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. And, like, because I was too ashamed to kill myself, like, I felt disgusted, you know, I was like, who are you to even take up space in this world? Like, who are you to take another breath? You know, you don't deserve it. Um, and, you know, that lasted for longer than it should have. Like, um, it lasted from like this really, really, really dark period lasted from January to July. And I, um, then I ended up, thank God, getting arrested in like 4th of July weekend it was July 2nd and it was near the Cape um so there was like a ton of traffic and I was like I remember I was so scared that people were going to find out that I was getting high I was like oh my god I was going to go on the front page of the paper like my life is over I'm never going to get a job like everybody's going to shame me I'm going to be like um no one's ever going to accept me again you know it's like god like I can't believe I just like I couldn't have escaped this life without something like this happening first you know Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a court date for the next day and I'm like thinking because I'm a drug addict and manipulative that like, I can just manipulate my way out of the situation. Everything's going to be fine. And like, I could just go back to trying to escape living once again, like, cause I, I wasn't living, like I was existing. Um, and so I go to court the next day, which was July 3rd and, she the judge tells me like 
sorry, but this is pretty serious and like you're a harm to yourself. So like you have to be sectioned. And she said, we don't have any beds for you at the Women's Addiction Treatment Center. So you're going to have to go to to prison. (laughs) And I like could not believe those words, you know, so I, I, I go to jail and I'm so sick so sick and so like my first day of sobriety was 4th of July that's my sobriety day 4th of July 2015 Um, which is so symbolic I feel like because it's the day of freedom you know oh my gosh yeah wow (laughs) oh wow and so did you detox in oh yeah and I did not have any meds um oh my god that must have been hell yeah it was it was not pretty you know it's not it's definitely not comfortable in prison um there's nothing comfortable about it they're not nice to you I was puking all the time I was getting yelled at for throwing up but did not eat anything because anything that I would put near my mouth I would just throw back up and then I would get yelled at so I lost a ton of weight in there um I remember like I just smelled so bad because they don't have real deodorant in there and I was sweating all of like everything out and uh it was just so so miserable and I didn't know when I was getting out because I didn't know when they would have beds available for me um I didn't sleep a wink and like I'm so grateful that I remember this so vividly because I never ever ever want to feel that way again and I never have to like that's the amazing part you know so um I go like after a week they tell me that they have a bed for me and I um you know I go to women's addiction treatment center which is a locked facility but like you don't have to go to the bathroom in your room (laughs) you know like they have like real blankets and actual pillows and um you know that you have like you're in a, a facility where like you can get treated and mind you, like, when I'm in jail, I'm, like, in the awaiting trial section because they didn't have anywhere else to put you. So, like, I'm in there with, like, people who murdered their father. And, like, I was just, like, oh, my God. Yeah, I was just crazy. I was, like, how the fuck did I even get here? Like, what happened? Like, what? Like, how did this even yeah. happen? How long were you in prison for? Um, only a week. Oh, okay. So, that's good. They got the... So were you done detoxing by the time you went and got the bed? Um, got a bed in- Not completely. Like when I got okay. to the treatment center, I I felt good enough to finally eat for the first time. Um, and they had like real food, which was amazing. <laughs> and uh, I, but I still wasn't sleeping. So um, I, I don't think I slept more than an hour for the first, I want to say like two and a half weeks. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty rough. And I just had all these feelings, you know, but I was like, like, it was the first time I was I had any kind of grace where, um, you know, like, I, I had been in 12 step program long enough to know that there was like, there was a higher power. And like, it was very important for me to connect with it. And I had an aversion to organized religion. But like, what I learned in there was like, I, I can have my own beliefs. And like, I do believe in a power greater than myself. And like, I choose to call it like the universe and sometimes the creator and so I do call it God just Mm -hmm. to kind of relate to people you know but like when I see it as my version it's like the universal spirit (laughs) and um and I just love that I'm sorry I love that (laughs) because that's what works for me and like that is that is honestly what's gotten me through everything today um 
And, and I just knew like, there's no, like when I got to that dream center, I was like, there's no reason for me to be here. There's no reason why I shouldn't have been raped, killed, beaten, overdosed, like something crazy have happened to me. You know, I was like, there's like a bigger purpose for me. And like, I need to figure it out. And I didn't have that much gusto when I came to this realization, but I just knew finally that I didn't know, you know, like I didn't know how to stay sober. I didn't know how to take care of myself. And like, I needed to ask for help. And that's one of the biggest things that I learned when I was in that, that, that 12-step program before I was like, I needed to ask for help. And I just didn't know how to do it because like, anytime I asked for help before it got like, I don't know, used against me, you know, there was always conditional. Um, so like I started calling people who, who knew how to stay sober, you know, people who had things that I wanted. And like, I stopped saying, I know, cause I know is like the biggest way to get you stuck. Cause like, if you, like, maybe you have an understanding, but like, until you have that emotional intelligence where you have that connection from the inside and experience things, you don't actually know. And, um, you know, I called my old sponsor and I said like, listen, I need your help and, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes in order to get it because I lost everything I was scared to lose before and I'm still here and like I cannot live like this anymore. And she, God, she's still my sponsor today and like she's honestly the most amazing human being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> um, and so, you know, like I just started calling people who, who I thought would would show up for me and like they did like those are the people who showed up for me those are the people who dropped stuff off for me those are the people who picked me up and like brought me to places when I didn't know what to do with myself and and I chose from that treatment center to go to a halfway house and from a halfway house to go to a sober house and um you know like I had I'd lost my license I had obviously I was unemployable um my credit score was like negative it was like 400 like I was just like I I really thought I I was never going to be able to like live life or get a job or a a house or or anything you know and um so I just decided to take it one one step at a time and um and decided to to bring gratitude into my life and just started to get grateful for the small things you know and and that's still a practice that I use today that honestly saves my life but um you know like I went and I worked diligently through the 12 steps. And um, that was like the foundation for my building my life. And uh, it was a lot of work, but I got to see what, like how I, my part in everything, I guess, you know, like I got to see how I played a part in everything and how my actions and words and, and decisions affected everything and affected relationships. And, and I got to stop playing the victim and pointing fingers and, um, and taking responsibility, I got to own my story, you know, and like owning my story is the most powerful thing that I've ever been able to do because I ran from it for so long and you can't run from your past. Like your past is part of you and it makes you everything that you are today. And I'm so grateful for everything that's happened to me because it gives me a power to be able to help other people who are dealing with the same kind of stuff. Um, and because I own my story, like I connect to more with more people than just people who suffer from addiction. You know, I connect to more people who like have a history of family abuse or who don't feel worthy or loved or just don't feel like they're good enough, you know, and it's such a common, common theme in life. Uh, so like, honestly, when, once I, I was like a year and a half sober and, you know, I started to feel okay about myself. Like I got a job 
what I got a job like a, a month and a half after I got sober and like I still work part-time for that company now obviously not during all this but like um, right. I'm a very value employee and um, I also like I got my license back and I had to go to classes for six months but that was like the first thing that I was like I showed up to every single class and I was on time and like I proved to myself that like I could do that because like in high school I was late I think like 120 days out of my junior year and like you know like I would get attendance failures and like I just never thought that I was able to do that kind of stuff and so I I got to prove to myself like oh I'm capable like I can do these kinds of things and like those beginning steps were so important for me and then like when I went through the 12 steps it was so much work and so like I you know like I got there was so much that was revealed to me and I got to develop this relationship with a higher power and I got to make amends to people that I had wronged and like in the amends process like what I had to realize was it's not about if people forgave me it was about committing to not making those same actions in the future to changing who I was to to changing my whole character and um and that was like so important for me because I realized like okay like I'm I'm making this commitment so I'm I'm running as far away from this old person as as I can you know like I am changing everything from the inside to make sure I don't make these same mistakes again um and so I um you know like once I started getting things back like thank god it came slowly because I think if I it just came quickly and I didn't have to work for any of it none of it would mean anything and when I I was able to discipline myself enough to know like oh look I can do a couple things I um I started to be like what else can I do you know like what else can I do when I start to believe in myself (laughs) and let me tell you like I like I'm not even five years sober I'll be five years sober in July but like my life today is crazy it's so crazy how different it is at like a year and a half (laughs) at like a year and a half sober I um I was like you know what like I'm kind of boring you know like what Ah. what can I add into my life and so Mm -hmm. um like the only sport I did growing up when I was younger was martial arts which by the way was not cool like it is today (laughs) um Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I had a friend that was doing Muay Thai, which is a form of martial arts. And, and he was like, why don't you just come try it out? Because I also realized I found out like this is a mental, spiritual and physical disease. So like I have to take care of all parts of those. And, and I that meant I needed to take care of my physical self, too. And um, so I, I started to do Muay Thai and and I loved it. And so um you know, I started to appreciate my body and the things that it could do. Like I developed a new relationship with my body. I used to think that um, my self-worth was like, I I got it from how other people viewed me from the outside, how I was put together, like how, how guys liked me, you know? Um, And I got to realize like my body is just this house that my consciousness lives in. And like, I need to take care of it and treat it well. And like, we work together, you know? So I, I've developed this whole new relationship with like my body and I started working out to see what my body can do not to not for what I can look like you know Mm. and uh that was like a game changer for me and then you know with that came like eating right like what can I put into my body that makes me feel good um and take care of myself and like now like I want to preserve myself for like the long haul you know and I just like tried to kind of get rid of it or like you know just once I wanted to go straight into the ground before and now I'm just like I'm obsessed with like human potential and um 
when I started competing, you know, I started fighting in Muay Thai and I, it, it ended up getting to this crazy point where like, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Thailand because that's their national sport. And so I went there in 2018 and I stayed there for five months. I ended up getting a sponsorship through the gym that I was at. So they invited me to come back um, the end of 2019 to the uh, beginning of this year which I did as a sponsored fighter where they paid for my, my training, my food and my place to stay, which like, Oh my God. Yeah, for <laughs> me who like didn't think I was able to do anything before. Like I was the girl who like, if I wasn't good at it the first time, I wasn't going to do it, which meant like I literally didn't do anything because I wasn't willing to start at any place, you know? And, um, you know, so I started to get addicted to like, well, what else can I like, I like made a post about this today, but I was like, what else can I start to suck at so that I can get better and then share my story? Oh, now that, okay. Now that makes sense. But I, I love that post, but this, I, I love that you're explaining it now. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause like everybody starts from square one. And like, once I started to get a taste of like, well, I'm, I'm allowed to try new things. It was like, my world got so big and I, there were so many options. And, um, you know, like I, I started running and like, I, I ran my first half marathon last year and, uh, you know, now like I, like yesterday I ran nine miles and like, I was a girl who like, I didn't think I could run one mile, you know, I, I couldn't run around the block. And like, I had these beliefs, I would tell myself like, oh, you can't do that. Cause you're not good enough. And now I'm like, well, how, how can I figure out how to do these things? And so like, I went from having so many limiting beliefs to to having like this undeniable, like unshakable belief in myself that I can literally do anything. And I always say like, I truly think that like having my past and like, like being a drug addict is my fucking superpower because it's like, Mm -hmm. it's my basis of like, it's never going to feel that bad again. And if I can get through that and feel okay and be free because I can do all this work, I can literally do anything. And, um, you know, because I made all those connections with so many people over the years, like it gave me like I, I had become this inspirational girl of like people thought my story was like really powerful. But I was like, ah, that's not enough for me. Like, I don't want to be the inspirational girl because that stuff doesn't last. I want to learn how to help people completely change from the inside and develop those beliefs in themselves, too. So I went to school last year to become a life coach. And now I'm certified by the International Coach- Coaching Federation and um, in neurolinguistic programming. And now I, I just started a life coaching business. My boyfriend and I bought a house last year that we're remodeling. Like, it's our own house that we live in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we get to, like, do what we want, you know? Like, I'm running the Disney Half Marathon this summer. And, like, I just, oh, God, I just can't even believe how different my life is. And, like, I like to share my story because I was so hopeless. And, like, I am, it's not like I'm this special, like, God-given, like, I, I didn't, wasn't, I don't have these God-given talents or, like, natural abilities. Like, I just work really hard at stuff. And I have a belief that anything is possible. And because of that, it truly is. <laughs> and I like to let people know, like, regular humans do amazing things like we are game changers and like we're the only people standing in our way and I get mm. I get so excited about it you know because like the process yeah I can hear it endless. yeah like I'm just so passionate about it that's why I was like so excited to share my story and I know I've talked for a long time <laughs> but 
I get really, really excited, you know? Oh, I love it. I love that you talked to this whole time. I mean, I'm blown away and I'm speechless now at this point. But can, tell, I, I rewind just a couple of sentences. You said regular people can do can do am- amazing we, things, you know, amazing things. Yeah. Oh, God, that gives me because <laughs> that gives me hope for myself because I do feel pretty regular. Um, and but you your story is unbelievable. It's like and that's what's so incredible. And that's what's so fascinating to me about the uh, program of recovery where we get to really look at ourselves Mm. and we get to take action in changing ourselves and take responsibility for what we've done um, and, and go through, uh, you know, burn through the fires of difficult, you know, traumas of our past. Like what, when we do that, we, we transform into who we truly are meant to yes. be. And you, you have done that like, like on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I, I don't mean to use that word like in a, you know, like obviously you're not, steroids, but like you, I mean, the, I'm just picturing right now your, your Instagram page. What is it? Can you um tell the listeners where they can find you to go immediately and see? what you yeah, do so and how amazing your life is <laughs> it's <laughs> period andra lynn so it would be cassandra but there's a period um after the s's yeah so it's mm-hmm. just cassandra lynn with a period after the s's okay and i will put it in the show notes and i'll also p- talk about it um before um the episode you have an incredible story you are an inspiration and I can't wait to see what you're going to do next with this life coach business. I might have to sign up. (laughs) Yeah. I honestly like, I'm so excited too. Cause you know, like I was so, I was, you know, fear still runs the, like it doesn't run the show, but it's present, you know? And like, it's present because that's just how our brains are wired. Like our brains are 2000 years old and we were wired to be scared of, of like saber toothed tigers and stuff back in the day, you know, but like, because the world is safer, it looks for emotional fear now too. And so Mm -hmm. I was like so scared to put myself out there and to like transition my Instagram and whatever, but like the uh, connections that I've made because I've walked through fear, just like when I walk through fear with everything else in my life has always given me so much freedom and like called my tribe forward, you know? And like, those are the people that like give me the strength to like live life and be who I am and be unapologetically free and authentic and me. And, and that's really like the secret is just to like, accept yourself for who you are and like walk through the fear because ever I know it sounds so cliche but like honestly everything is on the other side of fear mm-hmm. oh my gosh yes ah this is incredible and you know I just have to say before we wrap things up that I love how when you were talking about um when you were really wanting to take care of your body and see what it can do because it's housing what I was hearing housing like the insides like the, your soul essentially, yes. and that they work together and what what a sign of profound self-love and self-care <laughs> I mean that I mean that just takes the cake I mean you are really such a, an, an amazing example of somebody who was willing to do whatever it t- would take to um to, to get, be free of the chains of addiction and free of the, of, of your past 
the past harms that were done onto you. Yeah. And the thing is like, that's available for anybody, you know, like it's not just me who, who can do this stuff. Like literally anybody can do it. And that's why it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing your story, I think a lot of people will be inspired. Like I am that no matter what, you know, you have a, you have a really incredible story and there's a lot of people who have, who've, are in situations like you were and I hope they're listening. I hope those people are listening right now to hear that it is possible to change. And, um, and I, I just hope people, people keep finding you on Instagram and uh, do you have a website? Not yet. I'm working on it. I'm not exactly the most tech savvy person yet, but I will become that person. (laughs) Oh gosh. I can't wait. This is amazing. I, I just want to thank you so much again, uh, Cassie, for coming on my podcast. You're such a wonderful addition to um, to my family here of people who will help celebrate the hope and recovery that, you know, we do recover and that life is a better life is possible on the other side of, of addiction and what you said on the other side of fear. Yes. And, um, and, and really, I just... I'm so, so excited that you're on this podcast and that people can come and listen to this story. It's, it's wonderful. I, I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. And I wish you all the best. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, okay. Well, you have a, a great rest of the day, rest of the weekend and, um, and let's stay in touch yeah, for and sure. I will be watching you and seeing how, um, things explode for you. I, I have a feeling they, they will. I really, yeah. Do. thank you so much That's for fantastic. like everything that you do and for putting this podcast together. Cause especially right now in the world, like people need it because they can't just walk into a meeting or, you know, just go, people are in isolation and it's so important what you're doing. So I'm so grateful that you do this and that you allowed me to be a part of it. Oh, thank you, Cassie. Yeah, well, this is like, this is my, this is my thing, you know, like you, you have your thing, you know, where you feel like useful and that you're making a difference. And that's what we need. I know for, for me as a a, um, former active, very active um, alcoholic, I, I love that I can feel useful, you know, and, and do something, do something that I, um, you know, have, have potentials in, in, and that's something that's, I think, given from my higher power and my higher, my higher power helps me tap into my um, creative self and, and my strengths in, in order to help other people, which is what you're doing as well. And it's just so, so um, I love hearing all the different stories about how we find those strengths, mm-hmm. you know, how those of us who have come from like the, the, the depths of hell, you know, and then here we are on the other side and we're, we're wanting to help other people and, and that's just a beautiful thing. I love it. So grateful for I it. Am too, so. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's really what it's all about is the connection and like being of service, like growing and giving. That's yeah. what people need to stay happy, you know? Yep. Growing and giving. I love it. Terrific. All right, Cassie. Well, I wish you all the best. You too. Thank and- you so much. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it.